In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 11-12, the Apostle Paul says, Now all these things of the Old Testament happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. These Old Testament examples benefit us in showing us the real thinking of God on subjects, the anger of God, the demand for doing the scriptures, doing what God says, doing it the way he says it. What a serious penalty lies ahead of those who choose not to do that. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. And then came Amalek and fought with Israel. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were very heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed upon Moses' hands the one on the right side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write a memorial for this in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So where's Amalek today? Who remembers except for these scriptures? He doesn't exist. Just like God said, he would put utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. God does what he says he will do. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nesini. For he said, because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. What this makes me think of is the need for constant prayer as individuals in the New Testament church. We are in the period of time when we draw near to the great tribulation and the end of this world. People are violent, care for their own selves, crazy, just like the Apostle Paul said they would be in Second Timothy chapter 3. In the last days, perilous times will come, says Paul. And he told the reason it would be perilous. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Women killing their own babies by abortion. Women killing their own babies by murder. Homosexuals and lesbians without natural affection. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. God gave them over to vile affections without natural affection. Let's look at Romans for a moment. Start at verse 21. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible men into their own image. They created God in their own image. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. They worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. When they saw a mountain, they said, oh, how magnificent the mountain is. But they worshiped the mountain rather than the creator who created the mountain. They worshiped baseball hero, the football hero. They worshipped men more than the creator. So God uh, turned them over. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. What about those people who say they were born homosexual and lesbian? My cleaning woman once asked me that question. I turned to God and said, I don't know the answer. He took me to Mark chapter 10 to show me the answer. Verse 6. Jesus says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Not male, female, homosexuals, and lesbians. He turned the males and females over to a reprobate mind to do these vile affections, which he defines as vile Affections. We just read that in Romans 1. No, they were born male and female. We have such nonsense going on today where on birth certificates some states do not want to put the baby as male or female. 
Everybody knows you recognize the sex of the baby by looking at the baby. This is nonsense. They're either male or female. But God turned them over to a reprobate mind. So let's go back to 2 Timothy 3 and read the rest of these things about the end time and the people and how it will be perilous. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, unable to control themselves, fierce, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, some of them even attend church, but denying the power thereof, and God tells us from such, turn away. They're led away with divers' lusts, says Paul, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 7. Resisting the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. And then he says in verse 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the end time is very bad before the Great Tribulation. The judgment of God comes upon them through the Great Tribulation and the 14 plagues of the Great Tribulation before God destroys with fire the heaven and the earth, which passes away with a loud roar. That's in Second Peter Chapter 3, starting at verse 10. No man knows when the end comes, but Jesus told us, we know the seasons. We know the seasons. When we see the leaves appear on the trees after winter, we say, oh, spring is coming. When we see the sins flourish, in both the churches and the world, for the apostate churches eliminate scripture so they can take in the world and make them feel approved without repentance. That's a sign of the end times. We know it can't be far. The Apostle Paul says, Pray without ceasing. Learn to turn to God in prayer with every problem, not to your mate, not to your neighbor, not to your children, not to others, to God. Pray without ceasing. Turn to God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Be careful for nothing. In the midst of all this mess we live in today, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In everything, if you have any care, any concern at all, take it one by one, those concerns, immediately to God in prayer. And keep taking concerns to God. Through prayer, by prayer we connect with God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, the Word.
Often when you pray, God will give you or bring to your mind a scripture. The word keeps us not only on the path of God and away from the sins, but it settles us. And Jesus says concerning the end times, Luke 21, verse 36, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, which means overindulgence. I can get that one more thing done. I can do that one more thing. I can get that one more item on my shopping list when you're dead tired. Change your way of life. You don't have to do everything on your shopping list. It is not really something you have to do. Your heart being overcharged with surfeiting is something that's very serious. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, overindulgence and drunkenness, and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore, and pray always. Pray over your concerns. Pray over problems because prayer makes you worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I have a Baptist friend who one time said, Watch and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. And she said that praying made you accounted worthy in the sight of God. It is the fact of praying when the problem happens that it connects you with God and you hear the answer from God of what to do about the problem. And that makes you worthy to escape that which shall come to pass. And Jesus showed us there would be two women in the field. One was taken out and the other left. There will be people here on the earth at the time of the great tribulation who are the elect of God. Why? One's counted worthy to leave. The other is not ready to go. It's the prayer that makes us ready to go when Jesus comes. And he will leave one in the field and take one out. And he says about the great tribulation, things will get so bad, there would be no flesh saved except the time be shortened. But for the elect's sake, the time will be shortened. Matthew 24. Jesus tells us, watch and pray that you may be accounted worthy. It's not that you pray that you'll be accounted worthy. It's you watch and pray, and that makes you accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. So every problem, every thought, is taken to God in prayer immediately, connecting us to God through prayer. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today. Now we're going to play for you Tchaikovsky Symphony Number no. 5, Antal Dorati Conductor, of the London Symphony Orchestra. The recording was made in 1961. 
When I'm selecting these recordings to play for you, I have this website that offers maybe 50 orchestras playing these recordings. I go through and listen to a little bit of the beginning of most of the presentations to decide which one to choose. I have sort of a photographic memory for sound. It's very unusual. Um, I can hear one chord and tell what the quality of the sound is going to be. This is a very fine recording. An excellent clarinetist. It starts off with clarinet playing about, I don't know, 12 measures maybe. Excellent clarinetist. A lot of times I judge these recordings by the quality of the musician performing, the sound of the musician on the instrument. There's a huge variation. And then also the conductor. I listen to the tempo. Sometimes the way he presents is terribly exciting. So sometimes I will listen to 20 to 50 presentations on this website before choosing the one that we are going to play right here. Tchaikovsky Symphony No. 5, Antold Arati, Conductor, London Symphony Orchestra, 1961.